Fondra looking to get side of Fond. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello and welcome to Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Phantom Bruco. And it's been another very eventful week in the world of Reading FC finances. And to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Kieran Maguire. How are you doing, Kieran? It's, as you say, a very quiet week. Um, you'll be looking forward to boring yeah, oh. Reading fans. <laughs> uh, I've spent the last sort of three or four months on sort of a merry-go-round in relation to Southend United, Scunthorpe United, Reading, West Brom, Sheffield Wednesday, Everton. It's it, it's non-stop in terms of what owners are putting fans through because owners don't understand the emotional investment that you have in Reading Football Club. No, no, they don't. And when you then involve people like William Storey into the uh, headlines, it doesn't help. But I've also been joined by Caroline Parker. How are you doing? Good morning. Yes, and not like you say, another mental week in Reading FC land. It is. It is. And I, there's no signs of it stopping anytime soon. So I'm going to give a brief like backline on what's happened in the last few days. It came out that William Storey had had a bid accepted for the takeover of Reading Football Club. This would have involved buying the stadium and the training ground, Bearwood, for £15 million in a Telegraph fire, John Percy. Well, this was on Wednesday night, late, as it always is. Well... Then Reading FC put out a statement on Thursday saying, no, no bid has been accepted and no one has exclusivity. Kieran, this is just typical of what happens with clubs, isn't it, really? Or are we just absolutely elite level now? I think it's indicative of the lack of professionalism that surrounds the industry, because it is not just Reading. Anybody that sort of followed a series of ownership shenanigans, We've had, you know, even small small clubs like Morecambe, which was supposed to be being acquired by a 21-year-old guy from Solihull, who, yet again, his only source of income appeared to be from a an energy drink, which nobody could ever find in the shops. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the EFL scuppered that one. We, we now have William Storey. Um, it, it, it is a cause for concern. I mean, the great thing is... What we are seeing is that I think there is now a collective thought process amongst fans that we need to support each other. So you know, Sunderland fans, they've uh, the Roker report two or three years ago into the background of William's story was both forensic and hilarious because they, they wrote it in a, in a very, uh, very witty way uh, in respect of his background. And having access to that information does... I think, allow fans to organise and mobilise. Um, and also, I know they've come in for a lot of stick, but, but I do think the EFL in 2023 is a much more robust beast than it was under the previous regime. And I'll mention no names, but might be connected to Wrexham Football Club. Yes. I mean, wow. I mean, it is quite an incredible situation that EFL now find themselves in with multiple clubs. And um, I'm sure there'll be another one after us. It almost seems inevitable. But uh, William Storey was today on to talk sport. And I mean, uh, I'm going to word this carefully. What I'm going to say about William Storey and his uh, words on talk sport. 
it didn't come across very well for him. Let, let's just say that one. It, it didn't work out very well for him at all, Kaz, did it? I mean, when you were listening to him, what were your thoughts? It, it, it was a car crash, wasn't it? Let's be honest. It was a lot of hot air, wasn't it? It was a lot of speech without saying anything. And um, he'd obviously done a little bit of research on the problems that we faced around non-footballing people, you know, having too much power in the decision-making process and, you know, die getting the wrong advice. But fundamentally, he was super sketchy about the details and kind of used the premise of, I'm restricted on what I can say because of tighter EFL regulations and the like. But, you know... He's been the director of seven liquidated companies. Um, if he was on The Apprentice, he'd be fired in episode one, wouldn't he? Um, I, th I think, let's be honest, um, I am horrified he's anywhere near our club. Nobody wants him. And if he does listen to this podcast, please just try and sell your energy drink and leave us alone because we, we could not be less interested. Thank you very much. Just imagine if you could buy this energy drink. <laughs> that would be that would be an incredible thing, wouldn't it? I mean, it's giving you so much energy. Nobody can remember ever drinking it. It's quite remarkable. But Kieran, we've been asked a question um, in our uh, tweet that I put out yesterday, asking about how would you break down? Say, say he's projecting that he's offering fifty million pounds. How do you think he would come to that valuation for a club in the situation that Reading are in? Well, I, th I think you can value a football club in, in a variety of ways. One of one of which is to look at the assets that you are effectively taking control of. And, and clearly, Reading Football Club has significant real estate assets in, in the shape of the stadium, the training facilities, and so on. And that yeah, they are they are relatively modern. So so that that is a positive because that means that there is less requirements in terms of going forwards of, of having to spruce things up. You know, whoever acquires Manchester United, first first thing in their entry on day one is Old Trafford's a 20th century century a 20th century 20th century stadium in the 21st century. And, and that's an expensive issue to to solve. Chelsea have a similar issue with with their owners. Um, that's not the case as far as ever as far as um, Reading are concerned. So th that is a positive. However, ultimately, the value of a business is determined from the amount of cash that it generates. As a club in the third tier, and yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say I think the vast majority of football fans would say Reading isn't a third tier football team, you know, historically. Um, but as as a club that is presently in the third tier, you look at its uh, you look at its revenues, you look at its cost base. And you say that there has to be a significant turnaround. Now, that, that turnaround in terms of the quality of the product, um, the only way to solve that is, is either through an awful lot of luck or an awful lot of money. Because football, football is a talent game and talent follows the money. Um, and even when you spend money on players, as, as you've experienced yourself uh, as a club, it doesn't guarantee because you are gambling millions of pounds on the hunch that a coach or a scout has on a 22-year-old young man um, who is a professional athlete. English may not be their first language. They might not be familiar with uh, the surroundings. They, they might be moving to the town and, you know, 
it's acclimatization and there's pressure on day one there's pressure on day one um and if you get that wrong then you've got a legacy problem as as you will have seen with some of the players that you signed over the past few years who you go well they've they've not delivered the quality that we expected but we're paying them so so much money that that they're going to sit on those contracts until they expire and and that's that's the gamble that that you have as far as football is concerned and in the case of reading you know i've i've got the i've got the figures in front of me you know 2018 reading were paying 197 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds that came through the door 2019 226 2020 222 2021 243 and and then the the club's doing cartwheels in 2022 we're only spending 150 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds that we're generating isn't that fantastic and you would not run any other business in a similar way so therefore you, i think you've got to look at the cash flow issue and it's it's bad so there's not 50 million pounds worth of value in future cash flows unless there is a massive sea change in the way that the club is run now you know the club inside out you know i'm i'm a third party observer you know I, I i i sit on a spreadsheet about 25 hours a day eight days a week at present um and, and i and i and i do the numbers and sadly i I've, I've stopped loving football to a certain extent as well because you just end up hating the industry and the way that it it operates but um there's not 50 million pounds worth of value the current regime is poor at decision making and if you look at the success of the football club the success of any business comes down to do you have opportunities well yes you do uh, you know at reading you've got you've got good facilities from an investment point of view yeah no, I, I talk to investors yeah, i would i would be i would be pitching reading as a club which is close to london because that's what they like london it's close to london it's got good transport links it's not far away from the airport so i think the opportunities from an investment point of view are, are quite good does the club have resources the stadium's good it's a yeah a relatively affluent demographic i think that you've got there um so so that's a positive as well so should the club be doing reasonably well Yes, on the basis of that, you would you would hope it to be doing well. And, and then we've got um, decision making. And I think the decision making from both the owners and the people that the owners have employed, that that's let you down. Will it be any better under William Story? Well, as, as Kaz said, seven clubs or sorry, seven companies which have either failed to ever produce accounts um, or have gone into liquidation doesn't look good if, if you take a look at uh his most notable company which was a company called lightning vault you know, that that went into liquidation with about 60 million pounds worth of debt now william story is saying well well you know uh most of that debt's owed to him well that's his claim um i i would i would treat that with with a degree of healthy skepticism um, and I think healthy skepticism is probably the best way when dealing with everything that William Story says on the basis of the evidence that he gave um, to a court case when uh, one of his companies was accused of copyright theft and the judge accused him of being an unreliable witness and creating documents during the court case. I'm not quite sure what that means. 
Kieran, he sounds just the ticket, doesn't he? In this in this era of financial mismanagement, he sounds like the absolute knight in shining armour for Reading. Not. Um, I, I wanted to ask you one question myself. So obviously at the moment we've got a top-end Bearwood training facility. I, I, I don't know the exact numbers on how much we've spent on that, but fundamentally that is a Premier League level facility in what is now a League One club. And I think, you know, how long can how long can Reading sustain that level of facility being a League One club? Because even if you you know, they've done a brilliant job, actually. You have to give credit to Mark Bowen. He's clearly got the wage bill down. We've, we're, we're trying to build something as much as possible in terms of um, in terms of young talent and kind of get some player assets on the balance sheet that potentially have got future resale value. So you can sort of see murmurings of us doing the right things on the player front. But, you know, you have to question how sustainable is a facility like Bearwood the, the longer Reading remains a League One club. That, that's a big worry for me. I think that would be a concern. If we take a look at, uh, for example, Wigan Athletic, when the club went into administration a couple of years ago, one of the first things that the, the administrators did was that they sold the, the, the training facilities to Preston North End. So that is an option. But the trouble is, you know, Wigan at least had the benefit of having two sets of training facilities and they could move to one. Um, you know, Reading don't have that advantage, so it's either a case of scaling down, mothballing some of the uh, some of the more expensive things which they can no longer afford to run. But it, it's not sustainable at League One. If we, if we take a look at League One clubs, there's, there's many League One clubs that are operating on uh, income streams of around about you know, four to five million pounds a year. And now I'd expect Reading's to be a wee bit higher than that because they get higher crowds, but. Um, the, the TV money is not significant. If you compare where Reading are this season, they're probably getting around about one and a half million pounds in in uh, broadcast money, and that's from both the Premier League and the EFL. That compares to eight million that you would have been earning in the Championship. So the the budgets have gone down. You're going to be struggling to get the same level of commercial income, front of shirt deals, because. Sky don't visit League One as often as they used to go and visit the Championship. So that has a negative impact as well. And, and then when it comes to attendances, we everybody's having to be extra cautious in terms of what they can afford to pay. So, you know, what what do you do on a... If it's a Tuesday night in November and you've got you know, whoever it is coming to town you know, and it's not a glamorous and, and you're at the wrong end of the table, how many people are going to walk up to, I still I still call it the Magstad because yeah you know, I'm a great believer I still we I still call, call the, it I, I I still call it the Reebok yeah when I go to Bolton I'm a great believer what it was called is what it is called um, never the and and, uh, and the Rico as well yeah the University of or Coventry Building Society Stadium now, get out get out Sam um, so so how many walk up fans are you going to get so, so uh, yeah and, that, and that's not that's not calling out people. You've got Champions League on on the television. You've got a cold night in Reading. You're 18th or 19th in League One. And Bolton are coming to town. Well, who's, who's, who's going to shell out? I, I, I don't know what the price of your tickets are. Was it you know, 25 quid or whatever it is? It, it, it has to be a fairly dedicated fan who's going to do that. So <clears throat> I think there, there's, lots of, there's lots of challenges. And I think the club... 
owner clearly has either lost interest or is in a personal position where he cannot export money out of the country. And that means they'll be looking to to, to divest significant assets, of, of which you're saying is that it looks like the, the training facilities are one. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing... Um, uh... Yeah, I'd love to be able to do an upbeat one financial at some point, Kieran. At some point when we do have a takeover, it would be lovely just to do a five-minute one and say, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good, yeah. So, I will also, say, though, Paul, the core fan base since I started supporting Reading has definitely increased. Absolutely, there are fans that are staying away because of the just, you know, people are miserable. It, you know, the, the Reading story has been a car crash for quite some number of years now we've you know a lot of people your casual fan that isn't in into isn't as invested as maybe paul or i you know that would choose to go to be entertained they're going to stay away right now if we get new owners i'm very confident that gate receipts would increase significantly um because because people are staying away because they're they're voting with their feet so i'm hopeful that revenue streams could could definitely improve, but obviously it goes hand in hand with performance on the pitch and and uh, and all of the ownership stuff. You know, all roads lead back to die young and terrible decision making and waste wastefulness. You know, no one's disputing that he spent money, but mm. he, you know he he's not spent it properly. He's he's spent it horribly in most cases. Well, when when I look at ownership structures and and failing clubs and, and you know, i need i want to hear it yeah, reading has to be classified as one of those given the situation it faces itself what i do is i classify the owners as either idiots or scumbags i yeah, scumbags are the people there for self-interest there are there are a couple of clubs that have been sold recently where the owners were definitely in the scumbag category as far as i was concerned and, and uh, and, and, and describe those clubs as brownbergs. I, I can talk about 10% of the crap in the public domain. The other 90%, which gets fed to me by dissatisfied employees, local journalists, fans, and so on, for legal reasons, I, I, I choose not to. And, and also, I, n nobody takes any pleasure out of any of this. I'll, I'll be perfectly frank. You know, I, I, I've got quite a high profile on the back of, of failing football clubs, but I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm fed up of it. I've been doing it for too many years, sort of. So, um, Dai Yong is an idiot. Yeah, and that's not... No, people say, well, hold on, he's been he's been successful in his own field. He's, he's an idiot when it comes to owning a football club because he doesn't have the industry knowledge. He's placed his reliance on a series of executives, agents, advisors who have acted purely out of self-interest, not in the interests of Reading Football Club, and have therefore signed off on transfers and deals and wage cap and wage arrangements, which have benefited everybody apart from the club. So I, I do feel a little bit of sorry for him because, as you said, he spent the money, he's just not spent it well. And you know that's it's not the only club, and, and lots of people have walked away from football very chastened by a very expensive uh, experience. So even even owners who some fans got to loathe, you know, uh, Mel Morris at Derby County, 
Mel Morris, I'm, I'm not a fan of him for, for a variety of reasons, but it still cost him £200 million. Now, he, he put £200 million into, into Derby County because he, he wanted to see them get to the Premier League. Um, and again, I think he was... he he didn't understand the industry and it's a and it's a very unique industry and there are people who will take your trousers down if you're not careful um and and take it and and will empty your wallet and then they'll just disappear into the sunset and I, and I think that's what's happened I think with regards to some of the advisors that Reading have had yeah seems like a good moment to bring up Keir Jarshan um it feels kind of appropriate um I think when you say about scumbag or idiot, I, I agree he is an idiot. I, I don't think he's a scumbag, Die Young. I've just made absolutely diabolical decisions, which still leaves us in the same position, ultimately. And I think he's showing that again by not actually, by listening to William's story. I understand it. He's got offered the most money, but the money won't be there. That will just get gradually knocked down and knocked down, and it won't happen. And he's just going to waste our time. That's what's going to happen. And you know will that push us closer to administration or does he is that not an issue Kieran you know far more about this than me my concern would be is that if William's story if he's fronting a consortium and they are given a period of exclusivity with regards to putting in a serious bid for Reading then that's not good news for the club because like you I I'm sceptical about uh, William Story's wealth. It, it doesn't... Ev everything that you see in, in terms of all of these companies which have ceased trading are huge red flags in terms of, of his resources. Um, and as the club is losing money on an operational level, um, how is this month's wages going to be paid? You know, we're, on, we're recording this on the 13th of October. In two weeks' time, there's... there's the payroll exercise to take place. We know that the tax hasn't been paid. Yeah, you know, that's why you've still got the um, the embargo. So we, we've got two weeks to, to to make some progress. Now, if William's story has is the only is the only story in town during that period, I think that's bad news. If he is working in parallel with some other potential bidders, and and I can assure you there are people who would be interested. You know, in my view, Reading is an attractive proposition um, to, to investors. Then, then it's it's less of a concern. Um, it, it's just an unwelcome distraction because William Story is getting what he wants, which is a bit of publicity. You know, he's got to appear on TalkSport. Um, I don't know whether you ever heard the interview that Simon Jordan did with Lawrence Bassini um, a couple of years ago, it was fantastic radio. And the uh, Lawrence Bassini, for people who are not aware, is the former owner of Watford, who was banned from football for a period of six years due to the way that he ran the club. Again, unreliable witness. Um, a comes out with a comes out with a lot. Of talk, none of which uh, is is substantive in nature. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's all uh, it's it's all vague. It's all using buzzwords, and you, you every time you try to nail them down with a specific question, they just ramble on about something else. So, um, yeah, William Story, I think, has become a figure of fun. He doesn't realise it, but but that's how he will be perceived. 
I don't see him as a uh, certainly not the person who would be putting in the money into a club if he's if he's just being used as a patsy by another consortium. That's a separate issue, but in which case he's he's not the issue. You know, let's find out about these people, and and make sure that they can satisfy the owners and directors test of the EFL. The elephant in the room is it is it is administration, and people are saying, well, what happens in terms of administration? This is the way that it works. Um, normally, the administrators will be on site for a week or two before they're appointed. Because the administrators will only take a gig, if I'm perfectly honest, if there's enough money to be made to pay them. You know that because ultimately they're they're a professional firm, so that's what they do. They they do a little bit of a, a reconnaissance exercise. They'll and they'll say yeah. And then in the case of Reading, I don't see that being a problem. You've got some big real estate assets to sell. Um, you've got the players as well. Then they would come in. They would run the club until they find an appropriate seller, but you've got an automatic 12-point penalty. They only sell the assets of the football club. So they'll sell the Magstad, they'll sell the, the training facilities. Potentially, if they're there in January, they're in a position where they can sell some of the player contracts in, in terms of transfer fees um, and so on. So, so and, and they'll be probably sold at fire sale prices, which is, which is a shame. Um, and then from the proceeds of that, people get paid out. So if there's any secured loans, not quite sure that there are, uh, but then do Reading owe money to the EFL for COVID loans? I can't quite remember. Um, but you you have to go and pay back your, your secured lenders, which is the equivalent of people who have a mortgage. You've got to then pay your preferential creditors. So do Reading have any outstanding transfer fees owed to other clubs? Do they owe any money to HMRC? HMRC, in theory, get 100%. And if there's anything left over, everybody else gets a what we refer to as a dividend. But under EFL rules, you've got to pay them at least 25% of what they're owed, or you get another 15-point penalty. So it's, it's, it's not an easy fix. The advantage for a new owner coming in is that you only buy the assets of Reading Football Club, you don't take over any of the legacy liabilities, you know, the outstanding tax bill, outstanding monies owed to suppliers and so on. So you're starting with a zero as far as what you owe other people. So you can see the attraction to the new owner, but if they also end up with a 15-point penalty, then, then you've got a problem. And that's what we saw at Derby. Somebody came in who seems to be a really good guy because he vastly overpaid for Derby County, vastly overpaid, but it meant that the 15-point penalty wasn't triggered. And because he was a you know, local lad made good, he was concerned that he didn't want local suppliers to be completely stiffed. So it, it, I think it was a very, very generous offer that was made there. There's no guarantee that that would be the case um, under these circumstances. So it, it's sort of good news but also bad news. It's good news in the sense that you've still got a football club. Um, it's good news from the new owner's point of view in the sense that they're starting off with zero debt. Bad news is you could also have a 15-point penalty if you don't pay enough. And people are losing money. People who have supplied goods and services to Dai Yong's Reading. And, that, and that's what I've, you know, I always try to separate 
owners from football clubs because people talk about the football club making decisions. It's not. It's Dai Yong or it's the chief executive. These are the people making the decisions at the club. And fans get very emotional when you know, your rivals are making you know, snarky comments. It's really important to separate owners from clubs. Kieran, just quickly, obviously at the moment, the, the ground is not an asset held by the football club. It's actually held in a separate organisation mm. of Die Youngs. So I guess that is also a worry for a lot of Reading fans. Uh, and what... What options? I mean, obviously, we'd want a deal to tie that back in so that all assets are returned to the football club. Would would you say that that's a likely scenario if there's a deal to be struck? Um, I th I think it would be for for the simple reason: what use is the stadium to Dai Yong? You know, he could he could remain as a landlord, but we know that he has been very successful in in terms of his business empire back in China. So so yeah. It doesn't need a million pounds a year in rent or whatever the fee is going to be. So, so I can't see any benefit to him in wanting to hold onto the ground. I think it would make life a bit more complicated, however, for the administrator if the club goes into administration. And, and the reason for that is that the administrator is trying to sort of ride two horses at the same time. First of all, they're trying to sell the assets of Reading Football Club. And at the same time, any prospective owner is negotiating with Dai Yong for a long lease, take over the freehold, whatever it's going to be, or a long long term rental agreement, and trying to get both of those completed at effectively the same time becomes messy. And it does also allow Dai Yong to a certain extent to have an element of control over the proceedings. Because if, if I take a look at what happened at Derby County, um, very similar case where Mel Morris sold the stadium to himself. He put Derby County Football Club into administration, but not the stadium company. So a few people came along who were interested in buying the club. Allegedly, one of these was, was Mike Ashley. Mel Morris doesn't like Mike Ashley. So he said, you can buy the football club, but you ain't getting the stadium. In which case, yeah, the deal's off. Um, and, and Mike Ashley went off and sold. I mean, Mike Ashley now owns Coventry City's football ground. Uh, and, you know, Mike Ashley, not the most popular owner, as as anybody from Newcastle will tell you. Yeah, I think that's a, an understatement there, Kieran, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's slightly uh, disliked there. Talking about former owners, there was also another bid that came in that was reported by The Athletic for £40 million from uh, the Geneva Associates, a Luxembourg-based hedge fund. Um, well, this appears to be also headed up by a former chairman in the EFL, Wigan Athletics, Talal Al-Hamad. Um, that didn't go well. Um, we can't dress that up. It's just we seem to be, as expected in our scenario, what other, pe other people are trying to take advantage of our scenario, aren't they, basically, Kieran? Yeah, the, the, it's vulture time. You know, if you are looking at a distressed company with distressed assets, you know, if, 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 if you're drowning and somebody throws you, you know, a life jacket, you don't care who's doing the throwing. Now, it could be they'll say, I'll only throw you this life jacket if you give me your pin number. You know, and, and you go, well, the alternative is drowning. So, yeah, and, and that's the danger. 
why would a Luxembourg-based hedge fund be wanting to invest in Reading Football Club unless it was for financial reasons? And I, I know that perhaps fans, we do have this romantic view of football. And I think deep down, we know a bit like Father Christmas. Can I say Father Christmas doesn't exist? Do we have young people listening? You can cut oh, this no, bit out. Don't, don't shatter everyone's dreams here, Karen. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, there's a rumour. There's a rumour. Yeah, um, that day. <laughs> it, it, it is a bit like that. Yeah, we, 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 are, we are romantic. And we have this, this belief that ideally the owner, the owner's views of the football club are parallel to those that we possess, that the, they, the first thing that they think about in the morning is Reading Football Club. The last thing you think about at night before you go to sleep is Reading Football Club. Doesn't mean you don't love your partners. Doesn't mean that you don't take life seriously. Doesn't mean that you're not concerned about what's happening in the wider world. But it is football is the love supreme. Yeah, it, it, you know, if I think about the constants in my life, I've loved many people, but I've loved Brighton Nove Albion for the longest. Uh, and and you know, my wife's not here at present, so I can say that. Um, so you hope that they're going to have those views. A Luxembourg-based hedge fund headed up by the former chief executive, at, well, chairman, I think, at Wigan. And Wigan went through a regular failing to pay the wages on time. Um, doesn't inspire you. But these these people, they've, they've got more front than Sainsbury's. You know, they've their egos are are huge and they you know for me yeah you know, if, if i'm if, if i'm a day late paying somebody or something i'm i'm, I'm mortified okay oh god what will they think of me i'll be really worried these people don't care and that's that's the concern yeah it's just so concerning the situation isn't it Kaz? i mean it just doesn't seem to be any way out of it at the moment um it like like Kieran said, you know, this is where you're going to get opportunistic people with bad intentions sniffing around, you know, on the grapevine. I've heard some other shady names being touted, which I won't say on here, but um, it's worrying times. And really, you know, we want we want credible options that are really invested in Reading as a club and the fan base to to you know to to step up if they can and help the football club you know we the, the reading fans are a brilliant bunch that you know they they they're not over they're not expecting lots you know um we just want a nice stable sensible couple of seasons where nothing happens you know we're we're moderately okay on the pitch we don't even have to be top of the table we'd quite happily accept mid to lower table and seeing a bit of progress and just our players and staff getting paid we're really not asking for much um and and i just i'm hoping and praying that we've got some credible people that are passionate about reading um with ideally links to the clubs that that come forward and 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 get involved and try and help save our club because it's it's I think we've all just had enough and we're all, it's gone beyond relegations. We don't care about that now. This is about the very existence of the club. You know, what's gone on at Scunthorpe and Southend is an absolute travesty. And unfortunately, we're hurtling very fast towards a similar position. And I hope, I hope Die Young does the right thing, takes some advice from some good football people and listens to sensible bids that will be approved by the EFL 
Um, so that's the only thing I can really say. I just hope and pray he's he's listening to the right people at this point in time. Absolutely agree. Um, there are good people out there. And for all of the concern, because at the back of your mind is you know, there's one thing worse than administration, and that's liquidation, is that we've seen so many clubs staring into the abyss. And, and yeah, I don't want to sound over melodramatic, but we, we've come very, very close. At times, we've, we've, we've been within hours of lead, of losing. Famous football clubs. But it doesn't matter how famous they are because I I lived in Manchester for 40 years. And, and when the Berry debacle was taking place, I used to go up to Berry Town Hall for some of the meetings there. And, and I was sort of, you know, I'm, I'm a neutral, but I can sort of understand bits and pieces from the business point of view and trying to explain to people. And, you know, I've, I've kept in touch with some of those people. And, you know, for the last couple of years to say, well, what's what's the worst thing? And they say the, the worst, the thing that we dread most of all is Saturday afternoon. Because I, I didn't realise just how central Berry Football Club was to my life. Yeah, I, I work nine to five. I work hard. I love my family. You know, I, I, I try to make I try to be a good person. And then Saturday, that that routine, you know, 23 times a season or whatever it's going to be on those number of Saturdays where you get up at nine o'clock, you put on your shirt, you put on your scarf, you're looking forward to going to the pub with your mates. And it's actually really good from, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'll probably be accused of being some sort of woke karate here. It's actually really good for men in particular because they're not very good at communicating, but you go along to that pub with your fellow Berry fans and you've been do doing it for 20, 30, 40 years and you sit on the, you sit on exactly the same table, you drink the same drink, the first person always buys the round, buys the first round and you've got that routine and then halfway through somebody says, and I don't know whether you've seen the, uh, the Norwich City mental health advert, that was so, so moving but, but, but you're more likely to turn around and you say to your mate, I've, I've got, I've got blood in me poo. I'm scared. I, I'm too scared to go to the doctor. I've not told my wife. What should I do? And that can make a difference. And that's that sense of togetherness that you have as football fans. Yeah, what else in the world? How, how often have you hugged a stranger apart from at a football ground? Yeah, that's what football is. That's why it's so unique. That's why it's the greatest sport on the planet. And that's what's been lost to the people of Berry. I don't. I genuinely don't think. You know, I think it's a one percent chance of having it. Reading the club is too attractive to investors, but it's not going to stop you from worrying about it. Mm. Yeah, the worry's still there, isn't it, Kaz? I mean, we we all kind of like think, and I agree with you, Kieran. I mean, you're. I don't think it will come to that, but it's your worst nightmare. And at this exact moment, you can't one hundred percent eliminate it. I'll tell you what, though. Um, uh, we're part of the Sell Before We Die campaign team. And it was anything like this was just not on my radar in my life personally four months ago. My life has changed dramatically in the last four months. But my goodness, I've met some amazing, amazing people. And it's just reaffirmed everything you've said, Kieran, around that 
kind of camera camaraderie that community spirit all the all the fans kind of coming together you know we've got a march planned on the 28th of october and um it's kind of harking back to the 1983 thames valley royal protests um it's kind of ironic that exactly four years 40 years later we're taken to the streets again but um it's a real sort of celebration of reading and and to you know a clear statement that we are going to fight for our football club and um I've loved every second of it. I have to say, I've been thrust into a world that was completely alien to me, but it just reaffirms that there's a lot of people that care about Reading Football Club and they're not just going to sit on their hands here. Well, that's because it's worth fighting for and you're doing exactly the right thing. Yeah. Thank you, Kieran, for your time and everything. I totally agree with what you both said. The Sell Before Dying campaign is absolutely critical and it brings unity to all the fans that are there when we have events and... Let's hope it comes to an end at some point fairly soon, because as much as uh, I, I've loved meeting all the people involved with it, and uh, I just want it to end. <laughs> I just want it to end, because it is very draining as well. Won't it be great when the biggest thing that you've got to discuss on a Saturday is, that new right back's a bit rubbish, isn't he? <laughs> You'll be really looking forward to that. I am, but then the reality strikes in, Kieran, about the team. So I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast and appreciate the efforts of everyone involved, give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. Cheers. <laughs>